John W. Peterson. I've never sung it. I've heard it a lot. There was no other way. And that really is the, the main point. Jesus died for us. There was another way. It would have, we would have taken, he would have taken that way. He prayed and asked God, is there any other way for this cup to be taken from him? But there was no other way. Before the stars were hung or planets fashioned, before the clay was formed to make a man, Christ was the Lamb of God for sinners offered. There was one and only plan. There was no other way a God of love could find to reconcile the world and save all lost mankind. It took the death of his own son upon a tree. There was no other way but Calvary. So friend, if you would find the way to heaven, if from the guilt of sin you would be free, accept the only way by God provided the great redeeming work at Calvary. There was no other way a God of love could find to reconcile the world and save all lost mankind. It took the death of his own son upon a tree. There was no other way but Calvary. Oh, I must tell the news where'er he leads me proclaim the gospel sound both far and near the way the truth the life is found in jesus this is the message all the world must hear there was no the world and save all lost mankind. It took the death of his own son upon a tree. There was no other way but Calvary. There was no
If my mother was alive today, she would be saying, Amen. She kind of liked that Western flavor, Luke. She just liked that lilting, like you could be on a cowboy, on a horse. Yeah, on a, on a horse, just kind of singing. There's no other way. Okay, thank you very much. Boys and girls, I haven't forgotten you today. No, no, no. Four years old through fourth grade, head out to Children's Church. There they go. They're excited, I can tell. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 14. John 14 this morning. We all should be praising the Lord for the wonderful Bible messages that we've heard this past week. We heard God's truth clearly proclaimed. We heard and we saw the Lord Jesus Christ being magnified. I wonder how many times, how many times you think we heard the word Jesus in the preaching, Sunday school, morning service, evening service, Monday night through Friday night. We heard the name Jesus spoken many, many times. What did Jesus Christ tell his disciples to do and what does he tell us, really? What did he tell his disciples to do before he went to the cross, before he rose again, before he was ascended? He said that he would send the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would not just be with us, but he would be in us. Look at, please, if you will, at John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. A good summary. Jesus said to his disciples, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Comforter, parakletos, the one called alongside to help. Another comforter, just like, really like the comforter that you've had with you, that's Jesus. I'm going to leave, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. Another comforter. I'm going to pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever because I'm not going to abide with you here on earth forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Does that explain what's going on in the world today? He's the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him. Now watch this. But you know him, for he right now dwells with you and shall be what? In you. Holy Spirit dwells with you now, but there's coming a day soon after I leave this earth that he is going to not only be with you, he's going to dwell in you. But what's he going to do when he dwells in his people? Turn over to John 16, because in John 16, we have a couple of verses that I believe very much summarize the main ministry of the Holy Spirit beginning on that day of Pentecost. John 16, verses 13 and 14. Start at verse 12. Jesus said, I have, many, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, what's he going to do? He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but he shall speak, excuse me, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He's not going to speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he's going to speak. He's going to show you things to come. And look at verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus Christ, to magnify Jesus Christ. Jesus said he will not come to speak of himself. He will not come to magnify himself. 
when the Holy Spirit is working, the emphasis will never be on the person of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis will always be on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not speak of himself. What he hears, he's going to speak. He's going to show you things to come. He shall glorify me, Jesus said. Now, we certainly saw that this past week. We saw the work of the Holy Spirit. We experienced that. We saw that. We heard that in the messages. As the focus was on the Holy Spirit, yes, to some extent, but the main focus was on the one that the Holy Spirit came to magnify, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we hear the word Jesus, better yet, when we hear the words, the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know why it's been like this for years. Rarely do I ever just say Jesus, and I don't, I don't plan this. I never made up my mind about this one day, but when I pray, when I think about the Lord, when I preach, when I teach, I don't often just use the word Jesus by itself. I know I don't. I hear myself on Facebook. I say, you know, you didn't mention Jesus much. You just kept mentioning the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, same person. You understand that. And there's nothing wrong with just always saying Jesus, but for, for whatever reason, I don't know, a long time ago, I thought, you know, there's so many people that use the word Jesus in so many flippant ways, so many cheap ways. I thought, you know, that's really a shame because Jesus is not just Jesus, which is powerful and wonderful, but he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, Kyrios, supreme being, God over all. He's Jesus, Savior, Jehovah saves. He's also the Christ. He's the promised Messiah. He's the anointed one, prophet, priest, and king. All in one person, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that, and please don't sit there and stop counting this morning, okay? But I'm sure I'll say Jesus, just Jesus today many times. But I will probably say Jesus Christ a lot of times. And I'll probably say the Lord Jesus a few times. But usually I just, it just comes out the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we think of Jesus, when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see him, as we consider him. We must always think about him in two ways. We don't always think of him these two ways at the same time. But we should, as much as possible, when we think of Jesus, when we consider the Lord Jesus Christ, we should see him in two different ways. First of all, we should see him, and I'm going to use terms, I don't even like them myself, but I can't come up with better ones. So now, when we're all finished, please don't work on this during the message. But sometime, if you can come up with better words than I'm going to use, that is perfectly fine. I just couldn't spend any more time on it. But I'm going to mention, first of all, the historical Jesus. That's really not a bad word, the historical Jesus. And when I mention it, you're going to hear that word a lot today, the historical Jesus or the historical Lord Jesus Christ. And when you hear that, when I say that, here's what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ was alive. He did function on earth in a specific area at a specific time in world history, human history. Do you understand that? That's the idea, that's the, that's the, the, here, this the, the concept today of the historical Jesus was that there was a time in human history, world history, where he came to this earth, born of a virgin, comes out of Mary and is placed in a manger. That's the beginning, for the message goes say, that's the beginning of this historical Jesus. Well, when then would the historical Jesus end, as far as what I'm defining? Would you like to guess? At the, 
at the, no, not the cross, because he came back to be at the ascension. When he left, he came, how many times did he say, I came here from my father, I was sent from my father, and I'm going back to my father. And the closer he got to his crucifixion and resurrection, the more he mentioned that he came from heaven, he was sent from heaven, and he was going back to heaven. So you have the birth of Christ, you have the life of Christ, you have the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. What you have, when you think of the historical Christ, you can say, well, now where can I learn about this historical Christ? If you wanted to learn about all that we could come up with about the historical Christ, where would you go in your Bible? Out loud? Right, you'd go to the gospel books. You'd read Matthew. You'd read Mark. You'd read Luke. And you'd read John. You'd focus on the four gospel books. And you would observe carefully what did he do? How did he live? And along with what did he do, you'd be asking, well, what did he say? What did he preach? You wouldn't be reading all about that in the Old Testament, all the way Genesis through Malachi. And you would not be reading about that predominantly from Acts all the way through to Revelation. That'd be the second part of this point, okay? But when you think about the historical Jesus Christ, you're focusing on Jesus Christ on this earth as the Son of Man. The Old Testament prophets, they clearly proclaimed that a Messiah would be born and live as a human being. It's one of my favorite Bible studies. I've always loved to study the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah because God says, listen, he is coming. He is coming to the earth. And I'm going to give you enough about him that when he comes, you can recognize him. You can identify him. And you can put your trust in him. And all through the Old Testament, you have these prophecies of the coming Messiah, but they all focus on the fact that he's going to come as a person, a real person, at a time in human world history. He's going to come to this same earth upon which we live. He's going to come as a human being. Galatians 4.4, what did Paul say? But when the fullness of time was come, when the time was fully come, what time? The time on God's timetable. And the time that all the prophets have spoken of, that time when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Where? To this earth. Made of a woman. That's significant. A human being. Virgin born. But made of a woman. Made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So these Old Testament prophets, they say, the Messiah is coming. He's coming to this earth, and, he, and Daniel's the, really the only one who seems to mention the, the time that he's going to come. Some mention who, what he's going to be like, what he's going to do. They're going to mention his lineage. Uh, they mention where he's going to be born, how he's going to be born, what's going to happen after he, what, how he's going to die, how he's going to be betrayed, what's, he's going to die by crucifixion. And, and some of these, a lot of details, but it's all about the one who's going to come. But listen, folks. We think of him as the historical Jesus. But don't ever forget, the historical Jesus is also the eternal Jesus. That's not the second point. But we don't want to take the historical Jesus and say he began in Bethlehem and ended at the Mount of Olives. 
He began with his birth and his historical Jesus. He ended with his ascension. No, we want to be careful now that when we think of this historical Jesus Christ, we always remember that he is and was eternal. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, this eternal word, Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. And then don't forget verse 14, because there came a time when this eternal word became human flesh. And the word became flesh. And what? You tell me. He dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Whose glory? The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What did Micah prophesy? Micah 5.2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that shall rule my people Israel, even him whose goings have been from, can you finish it? From of old, from everlasting. The prophecy of the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, but Micah says he's the one that has been of old, even from everlasting. What did Jesus say to the, to the Jewish leaders one day who were giving him a hard time? In John, chapter, what is it, chapter 8, I believe, verse 58. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Because he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said, you're not even 40 years old. You've seen Father Abraham? Jesus said, yeah, sure, I really have. You know why? Because before Abraham was ever born, listen now, before Abraham was ever born, this historical Jesus, whose human life began in Bethlehem, and he ascended one day back to his father, he was around long before Abraham was ever born. But we call him the historical Jesus because he came as the son of man. He called himself the son of man more than he ever called himself the son of God. But he was also the son of God. God in human flesh. And there's the second concept we should have of this Jesus Christ. The historical Jesus. And I like that word better than the second word. This is the second word. I had trouble with the second word. I'm going to call him, I don't even like saying it, but you're going to hear it many times. I call him the current Jesus I started with relevant. He's relevant. Then I thought, you know, before you use that word, you better grab your phone and make sure you understand the meaning of relevant. And I did, and I thought, you know, that does work. That is what I have in mind. I mean, he's as relevant. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. But I thought, there's really... So then I thought, well, maybe I'll just check. What's a synonym, of, a synonym of relevant? I thought, well, current? I grab my phone again. I, I look up current. I, say, I hear it. I say, that. Now, that, that is a good word. Here's the definition of current. If you don't like this, you can call Google, okay? Belonging to the present time, current. Happening now, the current. That's what current means. Belonging to the present time, happening now. Synonyms, contemporary, present day, ongoing. So when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't just think of this historical Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we also have to remember that when he 
ascended back to heaven, which he could do because he rose again. The, the resurrection becomes crucial. I mean, the message this morning really, and tonight also, is a good follow-up of the Easter messages that I preached and also a follow-up, as you'll see, of the revival messages we heard this week. And it all really comes down to that, that the importance of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then what? 40 days later, he ascends bodily back to heaven. But you know what? How many times have you heard me say all through the years I've been here, Jesus Christ is alive in heaven today, just as real, just as alive as we are here. Amen? And he's doing something in heaven. So what's he doing? He's sitting at the Father's right hand, literally sitting at the Father's right hand. But once in a while, he stands up. Do you know sometime in the Bible when he stood up? Sure you do. To welcome Stephen home. Stephen said, I, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of the throne. And Jesus says to Stephen, come on home. So he has a lot of ministries. He has some ministries worldwide that we don't always see or what's going on, but he is in charge. And he has some ministries in individual lives, the lives of Christians. He's the current Jesus. Perhaps we should say it this way. The historical Jesus is Jesus on earth. The current Jesus is Jesus Christ in heaven. While he works on earth, you finish it, through his, absolutely. Jesus Christ is in heaven, but he works on earth through his spirit. The historical Jesus not only lived on earth at a specific time in world history, he is still very much alive in present time in heaven. He's alive, he's at work. What does the Bible say? Jesus in Hebrews, Jesus Christ the same. Can you finish it? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the current Jesus Christ, the contemporary Jesus Christ, the relevant Jesus Christ. He is alive and well, and he is at work. And you'll see where I'm going with this in just a moment. There are many false Christs in the world today. Many false Christs. The only real, true Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is both the historical Christ, he really was here for a certain amount of time in a certain area, and he came for a definite purpose. What did he say? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, and the only way that could be done was what Luke just sang about. He came to die. There was no other way. He came to die, to be buried, to rise again. That is the historical Christ, the only true Christ, but also, if that's all you've got, then you still don't have the Christ of the Bible. Because the historical Christ did not come to an end when he died and was buried, nobody's ever heard of him since. Are you with me? He's still alive. Alive in heaven. As the current Christ. Many false teachers. No, listen. <laughs> you either have the Christ of history and the Christ alive now, or you do not have the Christ of the Bible. Let's really be clear about that. We've got to be plain on that. And by the way, he is those two things whether a person believes it or not. He is those two things. I mean, 
he, if you say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really believe that, you know, I think this Jesus was a good example. Okay, he said a few good things, he did some things. But, you know, as far as was this Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, God, actually living in a body for that certain amount of time on this earth? I don't think so. Now, well, what, then what Jesus Christ do you have? Who are you thinking about? And if you say, well, I have no problem with that. But now, as far as what happened to him after he died, no, nobody's ever seen him since. And I'm not, I'm not going to believe this resurrection stuff now. Not that he actually came back to life. You can't prove that. Okay. But I believe in the historical Jesus. No, you've got the wrong Jesus if you don't believe in the current Jesus. I'm saying he was both. And when we think of him, when we consider him, when he's on our minds, we should think of what he did while he was here and where is he now and what is he doing. Not just in the world, but what does he want to do in my life through the power of God's spirit? The Lord Jesus Christ must be believed in us both. And lived accordingly. If you don't, guess what? You have some serious problems. You say, what's the problem if you don't believe in the historical Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the main problem is you can't be saved. You can't be saved. In fact, go with me to 1 John chapter 4. Go to 1 John chapter 4. There's no salvation without a belief in the historical Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible. 1 John chapter 4. I'm in 1 Peter. That's not going to work. Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Beloved Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Put the spirits to the test. Why? Put them to the test whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Well, how are you supposed to know the difference? How do you know the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet? No, he said, I'll tell you. God says, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the, what's the next word? In the flesh is of God. Did you get what he said? How do you know the truth? How do you know if the spirit's of God or Satan? How do you know? This is how you know. Every spirit, the spirit of God, that confesses, and he confesses to say the same thing is. He agrees with what the scriptures say. And he agrees with what God clearly says in the scriptures. He confesses that Jesus is the Christ in the flesh. He says, that spirit is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh. The historical Jesus says he's not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come and even now is already in the world. It's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God tells us about the historical Jesus Christ God himself who came in human flesh. Now go please to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. You can't be saved if you don't believe in the historical Christ. You know why? Because that's what the gospel is all about. Nobody's ever saved without the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, the good news. 
evangelistic message which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which you are also saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you believed in vain, emptily, for I deliver. What is this gospel? It's the, it's, it's the historical Jesus Christ, what he came to do. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, he literally, he died for our sins. He died on the hill called Calvary. You can find it on a map. You can go there and visit. He was hung on a wooden cross at a certain, on a certain day in human history. He was buried. He was literally buried in a grave, a tomb, a sepulcher. How that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen, folks, that's the Jesus Christ of the Bible. He died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. He came back to life and then ascended back to heaven. That message must be accepted, trusted, relied upon for the salvation of my eternal soul, the forgiveness of all of my sins, or I do not have the gospel message. I do not have the Christ of the scriptures. Now, what if a person says, well, I can kind of believe the first part. In fact, I really do believe the first part. It's real. I've accepted this Christ. Of course, I've received the gospel. It's all about Christ on the earth and what he did and so forth. I, I got all that. Now, but what about the last part? If you don't think much about the last part, the current Lord Jesus Christ, who is very much alive in heaven and what he's doing, then you're going to miss out on a right relationship with him. Evangelist Van Gelderen had a book on the table entitled Experience Jesus. That's what this is all about. Could we put in another terminology? Having a right and wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, no one will have a wonderful, right, day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will experience Jesus unless he really believes Jesus Christ is alive and through his spirit, he is living in me. And that makes a huge difference in every area of my life. Amen? That's what the message we're about this week. It's kind of like the, the message of the whole New Testament wrapped up in a week of preaching, followed up by a message this morning and tonight. The fullness of the Spirit of God who magnifies Christ, who glorifies Christ in the life of a person who's very much mindful of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and lives within. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. By the way, would you go to Romans 8 for just a moment? Romans 8. Look at verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit dwell in you. Read the rest of the verse with me. Would you dare it together? Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you have the spirit of Christ? It's one thing to have the spirit of Christ and, and be saved. And another thing to be aware of the fact and thinking about the fact that this Christ literally lives in me. And he wants to work in me. 
That question now is, how does he do that? What does he want to do? How can that happen? By the way, go to 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 13. Well, I hope I'm right. Start there if you will, please. If not, I'll figure out where I'm wrong. Go to 2 Corinthians. I think it's chapter 13, verse 5, if I remember right. 2 Corinthians 13. Yes, it is. Verse 5. Everyone should do this. What's the first word out loud? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. What's the first word? Examine. Put to the test. What's the second word? Oh, somebody else? No, no. Don't examine somebody else. Examine yourself. This personal examination. Really, you say, I don't like tests. You say, I never did like school. I especially didn't like those exams. I told our students in Bible this year, I, or two days ago, I said, listen, I know you're going to think this is weird. You're probably going to lose all respect and can't even relate to me anymore after I tell you something. I said, I love school. I love school. From the first day of kindergarten to the last day at Bob Jones University, I loved school. Then I said, I know that blows you away. I know you can't even relate to that. But I said, I'll tell you something else. Not only did I love school, but the harder they made it, the more I thrived on it. I had very little respect for teachers that didn't make us do much, just encouraged us to be lazy. But I really respected and appreciated the teachers that really, really pushed us. I know that's weird. And you know what? I told the students this. I love those quizzes. I love those tests. I know this is weird. I love those final exams. I just thrived on that. Maybe it was my spirit of competition. I've always said, I don't know what it was. Now, God says, oh, you like exams? Or you don't like exams? There is an examination that everybody should take. Look what he says. Examine yourselves, not somebody else. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, whether you're really saved, whether you're a Christian. So what is this? Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is, next two words please, good and loud, in you. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be, next word, reprobates. Now, we don't always use that word right. We say, yeah, that guy, you saw that guy? I mean, that guy's an old reprobate. Well, he might be, but that's not the meaning of reprobate. The word reprobate simply means unapproved. Not approved. Not approved by whom? God Almighty. What does that mean? Still abiding in the wrath of God. One day to face God's judgment as a non-believer at the judgment seat of Christ and then to be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Why? Because he was unapproved by the one who's giving the test that we're supposed to take. And the whole issue is take the test, take the examination and find out for sure if Jesus Christ is literally in you. Because he that doesn't have the spirit of Christ, we already saw, is none of his. Now, would you go please to the gospel of Mark chapter 16? Because with the messages of this week, just even last Sunday morning and last Sunday night, when I went to the office Monday morning, 
and said it's time to start working on the message for this Sunday morning. I could not help it. The message of Sunday morning, the message of Sunday night was very much on my mind as well as Dr. Van Gelderen said, kind of gave us some hint what he was going to be preaching about during the week. With all that on my mind, I was reading the book of Mark, just my devotions day by day. I was reading the book of 1 Corinthians. What happened was when I finished 1 Corinthians, I forgot I was supposed to go to 2 Corinthians, so I jumped back to Mark. The guy that you know designed the whole thing, put it in a bulletin, I, I, I forgot. Thought was, I thought we were supposed to go back to Mark. So I went back to Mark, and I'm reading Mark chapter 1 Monday morning instead of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1. And when I read this verse, I thought, whoa, something, something really hit me. I th and I grabbed, I grabbed my pen and I wrote, what a verse, what a passage. You better think about this. In fact, you might want to preach this sometime. And then I couldn't get out of my mind, so I'm preaching it. Look at Mark 16, beginning at verse 15. This is the resurrection chapter. After he shows himself to his disciples, he says to them in 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth on him, what does it say? Is that what it says? He that believeth on him, does it say that? Yes or no? No. He that believeth and is baptized. Oh, we heard about the split trust thing. Hang on, don't, don't, don't fall asleep. So he says, yeah, that's why I believe you've got to be, believe and be baptized. We're not finished. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not, period, shall be damned. You say, well, why is that? You have to compare scripture with scripture, folks. And there, I don't have time. There are several, there are so many, there are many, oh, there are so many verses of scripture that will make it very plain. We are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone, period, no baptism. But the same Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father. And if you study the book of Acts, you know, back in those days, when you got saved, you got baptized. It wasn't that the baptism saved you. It wasn't that the baptism completed your salvation. It was a clear public identification outwardly with your belief inwardly. And Jesus said, men, go out into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He that is saved, he that believes and therefore follows, he's baptized. He shall be saved. He that believes not, he said, is damned. Oh, but that's not the end. Look at this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You say, Pastor, what did you see in that that made you grab your pen and say, I better preach on that? I'm not there yet. Well, we got two verses. We're getting close. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven. What's our word for that? He was received up into heaven. What he, what's our word? Not raptured. He, he ascended. He ascended. 
It could be raptured, snatched up. That's good, caught up, okay. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God. You say, that's it. That's got to be the verse that just riveted the pastor's attention. That's not it. We're not there yet. Now we're down to one verse. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Say so that verse hits you big time. Why? Because you have in that verse, you have the historical Lord Jesus Christ, and you have the current Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you have. And they went forth and preached everywhere. What they preach? The gospel, the good news. Birth of Christ, life of Christ, death of Christ, burial of Christ, resurrection of Christ. Didn't preach ascension of Christ yet, amen? They're preaching the historical Jesus Christ. That's the message. You go preach the gospel message. But that's not the end of it. They went forth. They preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And boy, that phrase hit me. I have never thought about that verse like that. The, the Lord working with them. That's the current Christ. That's, that's the book of Acts. Right there. The Lord working with them. And I thought, you know what? When I read the book of Acts, I see the Lord Jesus Christ in action. And it, it was unreal. Because I'm also reading a book by Jason Mo Baxter entitled Going Deeper. And I read something in there that got my attention. Look what he says. His followers did not lose him when he left them. Let's look at this. His followers did not lose him when he left them. No, the lovely paradox is that never more truly, excuse me, distracted here a little bit. His followers did not lose him when he left them. No, the lovely paradox is that he never more truly came to us than when he went away. For when he disappeared from local visibility, he thereby came back in larger activities, spiritually and invisibly, as we see all through the Acts of the Apostles. Indeed, that well-tested and authenticated record, which we call the Acts of the Apostles, that's what it says in our Bible, it is so full of the invisible Lord's operation through his Spirit-filled disciples that some expositors insist on naming the book the Acts of the Ascended Christ. I had never heard of that. When I think of the book of Acts, I've often said, I wish it wasn't called the Acts of the Apostles. I wish it was called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the fullness of God's Spirit is seen all through the book of Acts. And the Apostles and the people of God. And so I said, why was this called the, the Acts of the Apostles? It ought to be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And Simmel Baxter says, Really, some would call it the acts of the ascended Jesus. Whoa. And this thought hit me. When I look at this phrase, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, then I have to not just look at the book of Acts and how all this happened in the lives of the apostles to whom he was speaking here in the book of Acts. But this is for me, right? This is for you. 
I mean, John 14, 15, and 16 was the message of Jesus speaking to his disciples, preparing them for the time that he would ascend and preparing them for the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come and be in them and the results of that. But that's not just for the apostles standing there. That's for every believer. That's for us. We should thank God for Jesus' ascension. He said, it's profitable for you. It's beneficial for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter's not going to come. But when I go, I'll pray the Father. and He will send you this comforter. He's with you now, but he will abide with you forever. That message is not just for those apostles. That message is for us. And, and Jesus did not just say, I'm going to work in you. Is that what it says? Working with them. I'm going to work with you. You know why? Because I'm going to be in you. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. I don't even know how much they comprehend what he was saying right then. But I promise you on the day of Pentecost, from that day on, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And we will see at the beginning of the message tonight, we'll just take a little while to go through some things in Acts, and we will see what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing in the lives of his people and his apostles. But I don't want to stop there. The question I have is, does the Holy Spirit, does the Spirit of Christ live in me right now? If you believe God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, lives in your body as his temple right now, why don't you say a sincere, enthusiastic amen? So what's he doing? What does he want to do? What is he trying to do? And if he's not getting accomplished what he's working out, what he wants to work out, because he is living within us, as the current Lord Jesus Christ, very much alive, working in me, then what is he trying to accomplish? What does he want? What are his desires? And you say, well, I don't see a whole lot happening. Then why not? Those are fair questions. Those are challenging, fair questions. What is he trying to do in me? And if it's not happening, his work is not being done, then to me there's an obvious question. Why not? What's the problem? Bow your heads, please, if you would. Our Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the gospel books. Faith comes by hearing. You've said in hearing by the word of God. How would we ever know about Jesus Christ, your son? There's no way we would know of his virgin birth. We wouldn't know of his sinless life. We would know nothing about any miracles he ever performed. Heavenly Father, we would not know a thing about his death, how he died, why he died, where he died, what happened. We wouldn't have a clue about his bodily resurrection nor his ascension. But we know these things because of your word, your inspired, infallible, inerrant word. And Father, how we thank you for that today. That we not only see in the scriptures the finished work of Christ, but we also see his unfinished work. What he did after he went back to heaven in the lives of your people. And what he wants to do today in 2021, Father, in our lives. As he works with us. I pray, Father, that we might truly see Christ as he is presented in the scriptures. And that our lives will never be the same. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand please together?